What a blessing it is to be able to come and join together with you, wherever you may be, for a study of the Word of God. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas. And I always say this, but I mean it every time. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas, or those who are also part of our congregation from so many different places, and to also say hi to all of our Saints Network family. And it's just an amazing thing that um, that family, by the mercy and grace and the plan of God, is growing exponentially. I, I do give thanks to the Lord for his kindness to me and to our body here in Dallas for blessing us with such a, a wonderful family around the world. You know, Jesus said that, that um, if you abandoned everything to him, and uh, through that you were removed from a lot of the familial attachments that most of society thinks um, you have to have, and they are good, that he would give you a, an amazing group of family that were of his choosing. And that, that, really, that really has happened. I mean, it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And, and for all of us to be part of the family of God, serving the Heavenly Father, and going about His business as intercessors, as sons, as saints, what, what, a, what an amazing, what an amazing gift God has given us. Now, I do know that we have to stay vigilant in this calling because it is always easy to slide back down to where everybody else is, to where it's easy peasy and you've got it figured out. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, when I was a kid, we would hear teachings about the end times and everybody had it figured out i mean it was just the timing of when it was going to happen but they knew everything that was going to happen and if you if you varied from the if you varied from the Kool-Aid you oh, you were you were a goner but the problem with that was that so many of the things that they taught and that we we all received when you when you actually looked at the scripture there were more holes in those doctrines than swiss cheese i mean it 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 was it was a whole new brand of holiness because you know i, I I know the doctrine of convenience, the doctrine of following the wide path where all the other little sheep are running. I mean, that's appealing. 
Sometimes people get tired. Oh, I had a strange peace when I stopped being a saint. Yeah, it was strange all right, and it really isn't peace. It's more like you cashed in your chips and you're on a spending spree, but that won't help that won't help you very long. So I, I'm just saying that I'm very grateful for the calling of the saints and for all of you who have been aligned together by virtue of the Father's directive in your life. There's so much to do and really so little time, but we're in the timing of the Father. <clears throat> and uh, I, I just so very much enjoy the way that the Spirit is guiding us in his word and the things that God is highlighting as he is developing us to be more and more in his image, the, the ways that the Spirit directs us to passages of Scripture, and you have understandings, uh, not just loud doctrinal proclamations, but understandings that then lead you into the next phase of truth. And I'm... Uh, I'm I'm just really grateful to the Lord. Uh, you heard that little ding. It wasn't an angel getting his wings. Zuzu's petals. Um, some of our brethren in Brazil. It's, my my phone is like a hotline to the nations because God has done that, and um, I'm I'm just thankful. And I'm I'm thankful for you who've been willing to continue. Now today. We want to look at a theme in Scripture that is something that you need to do a little study on over the next few days. Um, I recognize that I am teaching the majority of the people who are listening are students of the Word and who are active as intercessors. And I feel like my role, particularly on this broadcast, is to study the Word together. Now, I know that there are many types of teaching formats. I recognize the power of all of them. I'm so blessed by the many teachers here in our house, and each has their own inimitable style. And God says wonderful things. And I, I'm grateful for that. There are ways that you have to teach young people. There are ways that you have to teach babies in the, in the Word. But I feel like this broadcast is training the saints to study for themselves and to do it actively uh, as we pursue the meat of the Lord that the Spirit is indicating for our time. Does that make sense? Let me say it in another way. It's not going to do any of you any good at this stage in your development for me just to lay out a five-course meal and um, just lead you through consumption. It, what, what I feel God wants for this broadcast on Wednesdays usually is for the Spirit to have indicated a theme to give us a, scriptures that are 
feeding us the strong meat for where we are and to encourage you with your Bible program to study along with me. And that helps you to learn how to study um, because you, you, you do and then you teach. So in the middle would be you do and you learn and you teach. I never enjoyed going into classes where I knew the teacher had no idea what they were talking about. The old adage, and this is not true, but it is in some ways, those who can't do teach. That's not always true, but sometimes it is. I've been in classes where there was, in college, where there was a political appointment as a teacher maybe it was somebody on furlough maybe it was the wife of somebody on furlough and they would just get up and read from the book read from the textbook i thought you know what i could do i could do that i could do this back in my dorm room while i was doing two or three other things if i'm just going to read the book and i recognized you know even if on some chance there was somebody who asked a question usually i'm not talking about a particular person i'm just saying Usually the answer that was guessed left everybody perplexed. You know, I, I, could, I even remember some classes where um, there were questions about the end time. or And thankfully, two of the teachers that I had about the end time were those who were really the representative scholars for the Assemblies of God. So I was grateful for that. And they had they had the humility to say, we don't know that answer. We don't know this answer. Which 95% of the other uh, Christian apologists for the end time doctrines all had all the answers, even though they made no sense. It, it, that, it just didn't fly. But those guys said, we don't know this. But then there were other teachers, like if you ask a question about the sprinkling of the blood, which I heard some kid from who, whose parents were missionaries in, um, oh, where was it? It was African nation, not utopia. That's a joke. Oh, I know where it was. They were in um, Kenya. And this kid asked a question about the sprinkling of the blood. But at, but at that point, I had never thought much about it because I was born and, ra born and raised. And I, was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. You know, I, I, we had all the answers, all the gospel. So, you know, I, I just never thought about it other than if you pled the blood, that meant you were in a peck of trouble. So I just plead the blood over this. That's about the only thing we did with the blood. We would sing about the blood with healing or or usually with salvation. And if we were in trouble, we pled the blood. But that was about it. And this kid asked a question about what does the sprinkling mean? Because we see this happening in a lot of the uh, uh, the tribal people. And they do it. But there has to be some reason why they're doing it spiritually. And the answer that came forth from that poor guy that was trying to talk about something that he obviously didn't have an answer to. And I I appreciate that. It would have been much better for him to say, I don't know. How about if we have a class pursuit of that question and come back in here next time and talk? 
but no, you can't say I don't know if you're in that institution. And um, the poor kid afterwards, I didn't know him very well, um, but we were we were playing against each other in an intramural game. And after the game, I, I went over to him and I said, hey, Billy, I said, thank you for asking that question. I, that, that obviously was a perplexing thing um, for the teacher. Do you have any opinions about that? And he said, well, you know, I just know what we've seen over there, but I want to know what the scripture says. And we really ran in different circles. It's just the way it was. Um, so I never really followed up. But then there was another discussion where somebody asked the difference between sin and iniquity. And this precious woman who really loved the Lord was the instructor. And she said, oh, they're just the same. They're just the same thing. And I, I always remember that. And then, and then there was somebody in um, <laughs> somebody in our seminary seminary class and they asked this guy who had two doctorates what what is the meaning of we were looking at in first corinthians and when paul said those of you who are spiritual and prophets judge what i'm saying and we were really the class was really driving at why we don't really say we didn't at that point say there were prophets and what in the world are these pneumaticos people The answer that that professor gave was ludicrous. And nobody in the class really knew what that meant. And you don't want to be real honest with you. I didn't really care at that point what it meant. Because my rationale was, well, Paul was saying, I'm writing these things to you and you better receive them as the word of God. So if any of you are griping, um, let the elders in the church deal with it. That was right up my alley, you know. Of course, I associated the word of God which what, with whatever our assembly's doctrine was. And so anybody that got out of line, we just had to deal with it. So that was the mindset. So I think that it's really a smart thing for us as saints to learn how to study the Word. I mean, use your tools. This is fresh meat. The Father's brought us fresh kill here, fresh meat. So we all have to go in there and learn how to eat it. And I don't do you any favors by cutting it up, sticking it in the oven, bringing it out, pouring giblet gravy over it. There are times to do that. But we need to learn how to study the word for ourselves. And, and I would also say one other point here. Um, I have a lot of resources on my Bible programs. And I do that because I want to make sure that if I'm seeing something from the Lord, that, uh, that I have done everything I could then to make certain that my assessments are accurate. So I want to know what these words really mean. Um, I want to know what other opinions are, because I don't I don't want to miss something if I'm bringing it to you. 
But you have to be really careful. And the reason I'm saying this is when you're studying the word, don't believe hook, line, and sinker what commentators say. I mean, they're, an, they're a help. And I respect the work that they've done. But some commentators are just giving you the corporate line. And if you come into an pneumaticos setting and you're teaching and you're, you're doling out general churchology, and I'm not talking about scriptural doctrine. I'm talking about stuff that we all know is nonsense. Just because you read it from Dr. So-and-so doesn't mean that it's actually spiritual. I mean, Jesus was surrounded by doctors of the law, scribes, priests, and other ne'er-do-wells, and they were all picking what he said. What if some yahoo in the back row of the synagogue said, hey, Dr. So-and-so, what do you think about this? Well, let me tell you what I have believed from years of service. It may be nonsense. Jesus said of that same back row, you have the key of knowledge, but you're leading people into the ditch. You're just as blind as a mad hatter. So he didn't say mad hatter. I do not understand his mad hatter. You know what that phrase means? I think they it said that people who were haberdashers, who made hats, used mercury and some other caustic types of materials to either color the, 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 uh, the cloth or to uh, add different variations to it to make it stylish. And those things just drove him crazy. So that's why a Mad Hatter was called a Mad Hatter, because of the, the stuff that, that they utilized to, <laughs> to make those hats that people then plopped on their noggins. So just be careful when you're studying. But I think, I think that the way God has shown you, and we're eventually going to get to the Word, okay? Because I've got a real, a real powerful insight that the father gave early early this morning in the bitter cold of the morning and it was cold here i think it was like 17 degrees but i was in my front room sitting by the vendor and was praying and enjoying the lord i had a little blankie over top of me in the dim light of the morning <laughs> and god spoke and i was so grateful one day I was praying and I said, Father, I thank you for the way that you give words to me. Um, and I, I, I have long since uh, submitted myself to the fact that it's usually going to be right before. But please, Father, don't, don't ever let, I don't ever want to become um what's the word i don't ever want to become so reliant on that that i i don't appreciate the miracle of it so but but the other the other factor is that what we're going to look at today i'm going to strongly encourage you and lead you through look where this word is used look go back and let the Spirit and the Scripture show you in point after point after point of usage what this word really means. And it will verify what we're saying right up at the front. But you should do that. 
you, you should do that. Now, I'll give you one other disclaimer. God's Word is never going to it's never going to contradict itself, even though at times, in the natural eye, it might seem to. Um, but it never will contradict itself. And if it seems to, it's just that you haven't, you haven't um, applied all of, the, all of the wisdom and the plethora of scriptures to have an answer in that seeming point of contradiction. So, God's word never contradicts itself. And if it's a line upon line upon line after a line, just be careful when you're studying that you don't forget that the enemy is there to say, at times, hath God said. Because false doctrines have sprung out of truth. Um, and so if something comes that is just the antithesis of what God has been building through the magnificence of his word, line upon line, precept upon precept, if a here a little or a there a little is off target, don't think you've got some revelation and go off half cocked. That's what came against the Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s going up until like the 30s. People would, everybody started with a visitation of the Spirit. Everybody started with the revelation of unknown tongues. And everybody started by worshiping the Lord and seeing great, great harmony and unity and a spread of what the Spirit was doing. And then people would have, quote, revelation. And it brought division. It wasn't like the oneness or um, several others. It's not my teaching for today. Um, it those things were were not accurate from the scripture, but they became divisive, and it split the movement several times in different ways. So if you ever come across, and I'm not talking about some Yahoo that wrote a book over here that's just like going through a Disney World ride. Um, I'm not talking. You better watch when you read those things anyway. But it's kind of like going, I won't, I better stop. But if you ever come to a scripture or a passage that you think, wait, this is something different than we know, don't pepper me with questions. I get them all the time anyway. Study it a little bit. And, and as you look, let the Spirit show you what those passages really mean and ask someone else not hey you know i found something that debunks what we believe don't go there you'll you'll get whacked and that's not the wrong way for us that's the wrong way for a seeker to handle anything but i i believe that if you just take a little bit of time and let the spirit show you compare spiritual things with spiritual things don't go off half cocked and you'll find that if 50 scriptures to that point say this thing in a deep way, and you know it says that, and then you come up with a scripture or you hear some teaching that's saying something totally different, who's right? The 50 plus scriptures that have all said the same thing? Or this 
miscreant thought. And chances are, the scripture that is brought the confusion is either misinterpreted or um, in some ways um, feeding into a false doctrine or something that other people are doing or some vulnerability you have personally through an unhealed iniquity in your life. Over the past month and a half, I've been receiving some wonderful teachings. I've talked from some of them from the scripture that really corrected me. And initially when I read those scriptures, I could have become ticked, as it were, because my own thinking had been under assault by my by my own carnal nature that we all still have that needs to keep being submitted to the Lord. Like that passage about um, God's reaping where he hasn't sown and sowing where he hasn't reaped. I don't mind telling you, and I confess this, that with all the blessing that we have, with all the ways God is continuing to open doors, it's always perplexed to me this reaping where you haven't sown and sowing where you haven't reaped business. And that part is part of what did in the guy that buried his talent in the backyard. I don't need to reteach that message. But the word of God came to me and ministered to me and corrected me. And it wasn't that I was in rebellion. If anything, I was defending what all of us do. I would see dozens and dozens of times where we invested and we saw no tangible point of result. And so then the first thing I think is not questioning God, but what did we do wrong? How did we fail? What could we have done better to have achieved something? And when I realized through those scriptures that this is just the way God moves, and your job is to sow. You say, well, you should have known that, Pastor. Yeah, sure I should have. But my main problem is this. I'm leading you. And I don't ever want to say, all right, we're going to go out here and we're going we're gonna to galvanize this team and we're going to go in here and we're going to minister. And many have sacrificed to go and do that. And it... it, it it irks me as a person that all these people went with expectations and we had a good trip, but we don't seem to have anything to show for it. Does that make sense? So there are many ways that the enemy will try to mess with you. So if, if, you, if you come upon a scripture and... Um, you need to compare spiritual things with spiritual and let the scripture define itself. So just be careful when you're studying because what God's giving us now in his time frame for the end times is powerful. Uh, it's all The word is always powerful. But this is dynamic meat for these days in this time of war. And if the enemy can mess you up, he will. 
But you don't have to worry about that if you stay in prayer, if you stay true to the word, and if you continue to let um, let the spirit perfect you. All right, so here we are. The message title today is Make Make Ready. I always remember that phrase. Uh, some of you I know have never watched a movie in your life. So just shut down for a second. But I remember watching that old Battle of the Bulge movie with uh, Henry Fonda and Dana Andrews and Charles Bronson and uh, Robert Shaw. I mean, that, that, was, that was a great, great movie. I mean, it's kind of hokey, but it was a great movie. And um, But when the German panzers were attacking uh, through the, the Ardennes, and Charles Bronson was a, I think he was a sergeant. I can't remember what his rank was. But he was yelling to all his soldiers, make ready, make stand, make ready, make stand. Uh, you can imagine these guys with uh, with uh, Springfield rifles or whatever they had, and a Panzer, top of the line, Tiger tank coming right for you. Make ready, make stand. So the message today is make ready. And I, I, I want us to see if you'll turn to Revelation 19. We're going to particularly look at um, we'll start at verse 6. Now remember, Revelation 19 is the Alleluia passage because it says Alleluia over and over again from different standpoints. And we've studied this in the past. Alleluia basically means that Hallel or halal, has been returned to Yahweh. In other words, instead of Satan manipulating the kingdoms with his created capability of halal um, and twisting it so that the plan of God is now something that he has morphed into iniquitous pursuit and evil, that now this has all been returned to God. And over and over again, you have hallelujah, hallelujah. But that's what, in the time frame of the book of Revelation, that's what that is. That's why this is here. But in verse 6, beginning, it says, I heard, as it were, the voice of great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings. That's, that's cool. Thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And you can click on omnipotent. You see that's Pantocrator, which is the, 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 the power of the throne has now established dominion, active dominion over everything that God's uh, throne has ordained. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen, fine linen, not John Lennon, fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Isn't that amazing? Apologies to all of you dear ladies that 
have glamorized yourself as if you're going to get in some long gown and you're getting all dolled up for um, this marriage supper. This arraignment is fine linen, clean and white, and it is really indicative of righteousness and the saintly calling. Uh, we're going to talk about what made ready means. How does the bride make herself ready? Now, if you were to continue to look in Revelation, you see then war is really upon them. I mean, this is this is the marriage supper, okay? And um, you you might also want to <coughs> study the various parables that speak about this supper and that speak about like um, one of the one of the things that Jesus said is that there's uh, somebody that comes into this supper and they don't have a wedding garment on and the king says friend which is which is a key word where's your wedding garment and this person is tossed into outer darkness after being bound hand and foot look at that study that because um, there are all kinds of people in heaven and there there are all kinds of individuals who've known the Lord and um, there are a lot of parables a lot of things that Jesus says about the end times and those who come and try to convince the Lord, hey, you know, I'm with you. This guy who doesn't have a wedding garment, here we're seeing what the wedding garment is. This is what they're wearing. Fine linen, white and clean. Which then in um, further in chapter 19, the armies in heaven are clothed in the same thing. You see that in verse 14. You have the the five virgins that were unwise they try to get in to the feast you have um, you have the, the 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 one parable there's so many of them I'm just trying to pick one because we still have a lot to study here uh, you, you have the the issue where the Lord has made ready this feast and He's sending out, and people are saying, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to have this. I don't want to do this. I've got other things to be concerned of." We've taught on that before, um, but it's it's very important that we recognize that this marriage supper is really placed here as a saintly the rec recognition of the saints. Are you saying that only the saints are the bride of Christ? I'm saying that if you are if you're wearing the fine and white linen and you um, you're it's talked about as being the righteousness of saints, I'll say this that the saints are definitely there. How's that? There's a lot of people at weddings that I don't know. You know that? When Katie and Zach got married, there were I greeted everybody, but there were a bunch of people I didn't know. But they knew them. I didn't know them. 
we were paying for a lot of it, but I didn't know them. So the Lord knows a lot of people. God has a lot of odd friends. Where he puts them all, I don't know. But the main thing is that this saintly ministry and the righteousness to be walking in the vision of the Lord and serving him is important. Then it goes through the armies of heaven are uh, uh, outfitted this way, and they're going uh, to attack the beast and the kings of the earth um, to, uh, that would make war against Jesus and his army, and that's us. Notice that the marriage supper happens first, and then is when we will ride. And so keep looking here. Then you see chapter 20. We're going somewhere. We're still on this bride business. Um, and you see the judgment Satan tossed for uh, forever after the millennium. And you see a great white throne. And then verse chapter 21, you see a new heaven and a new earth. First, heaven and earth were passed away. No more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And, and then it goes on down. You know, the tabernacle of God is with men, and God will dwell with us. And then, verse 9, chapter 21. Then came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Is this the same mountain where Satan took Jesus? Well, it's different words. You got a carrying away in the spirit, which is similar. But from that vantage point, it's so important then, this, our, our need to be focusing on the mountains um it it it's important that here this seventh angel brings John to this high mountain and it's um it's the great city the holy jerusalem descending out of heaven this is the bride this is the bride that's fascinating to me so really what it is is that we're we're wanting what God has desired from the very foundation of the world. When a alleluia is declared, then the wedding supper comes and the righteousness of the saints and the fine linen is the clothing. And then those people form the army of the Lord that follows Christ. And then you see the temple no more you see the tabernacle being with God and his people and you see the new heaven and the new earth and the angel and John they they say that this is the bride of Christ which is essentially we are making ready what God has ordained for this world we have been interceding and standing firm on his promise to take back the kingdom from the enemy but there's this big battle but the whole thing is the saints the white linen the garment and this is the bride so back to our lesson or the key point that we're looking at um, how does the bride make 
herself ready. How do we make ourselves ready? Do we have to fix our hair? Do we have to borrow Sandra's pearls? Do we have to meet with caterers and um, candle merchants and florists and look at venues? No, the venue's already picked. I mean, how do we make ourselves ready? Well, you know what we're going to do, don't you? You should. We are going to look at the Word. And this, this is a very, very important um, thing to do. It's the, it's the word make ready. It, and in fact, it's a double issue. It's make herself ready. It's, it's uh, hetoimadzo herself hetoimadzo. So we have a double issuance of making ready. It's an intimate partnership, and we are we are really uh, we're really devoted to it. So let's look at the ways that this word, some of the ways this word is used in the Gospels, like in Matthew three. If you've already clicked, you're there. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye, that's it, the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So you have to be a friend of the bridegroom. You have to be willing to go to the wilderness. You have to cry out before the Lord in prayer. And you have to prepare the way of the Lord. That's used over and over again in uh, quoting Isaiah, but it's always the same word. Uh, you, can, you can look at these. Um, and in fact, in Matthew 22, verse 4, here is the, that parable I mentioned about God preparing his dinner. And it's ready. Pre God prepares. This is the word. This is the word. And people say, no, you know, I don't want to come. You know, I've got a property. I just got married. I got a dead guy to bury. And, you know, God doesn't really accept any of those excuses that mom wrote and sent in your pocket. Um, Matthew 25. Uh, when all the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. Um, and then... Matthew 25, uh, verse 34. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is what we're preparing. This is what we're preparing. And it, this is how we make ourselves ready. There are so many wonderful usages of this word. I'm not going to go down through every one of them. You can do that for yourself. Now, Jesus said to the mother of James and John to sit on my right in, in Mark 10, 40, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given for to them for whom it is prepared. And that's the word. So the placement at the right and the left hand of the throne of God is a place of preparation. It's this word. Um... Let's see, some other stem winders. 
These guys are all quoting Isaiah, saying the same thing. Here is um, Zechariah speaking of John. You, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. There's that, there's that signature word. Um, let's see. I hope you're looking, too, at your scriptures. I'm just trying to do it just like we were sitting across the table from each other. I don't have a message that's being taken out of the oven because it's important for you to to know this. John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Um, I, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Uh, if uh, man therefore... Purge himself from these, he'll be a vessel of honor, 2 Timothy 2.21. Prepared unto every good work, meet for the master's use. How's the bride prepare herself? There you have it. Um, Hebrews 11.16. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What city is that, Pastor Ron? The city we were just reading about from Revelation 19 through 21. So partnering with God is something that you should take these verses and just jot down the ones that tell you what you're supposed to do. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, Father, help us to, to be ready. Help us to make ourselves ready by being ready. And um, you know, you can also do the study of the root word of hetomazo. And um, if you if you just look at that um, and the derivatives of it, it's it's phenomenal. It it really encompasses the things that we have been being asked to do by God. The um, preparation, hetomasia, of the gospel. Of peace, as our feet are are shed shod by by that in the Ephesians six um, garment uh, or, or armor. You know the, the the wonderful thing about this is that if you do the derivatives and it's easy to do, it's it's easy. If you if you say I don't know how to do that, that means you've not been studying. Now this is teacher talking. This isn't pastor talking. I'm not going to baby or coddle you. I know some of you get really irritated when I talk this way. Let me ask a question. Let me ask. Let me ask you. Those of you who are teachers, did you ever talk that way to your students when they didn't do their homework or they weren't applying what you tried to get them to do? I know you did. 
we we have to be skillful in the things of the word so how you break up derivatives is the first step would be you would go to the root and even in strongs it will show you the root you go to that root and then you immediately may not be able to study that root by clicking on it but you see where a verse is used and then you enter that verse and then you click on that word and then you can study the root some of you have programs that make you make that step it's the same thing but study that root then if you have a form of 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 lexicon aid and some of them are very easy to obtain some of them are expensive you get what you pay for i've learned but some some of them are inexpensive and some of them like cwsb which you can buy will list the words in in kind of like in strongs but they give you more and you can just look down through them and find derivatives sometimes you'll find derivatives in clicking on something that one of those uh, commentaries is is opinionating upon and then you see a derivative like prois domato and others i mean it this is a main word in the scripture in the new testament and it, it's a measure of preparation it's a measure of of getting ready it's a measure of um of what the bride is supposed to do it's it's a measure of what we have to do it says okay the, this bride is here this this church has been doing the will of the father they've been functioning in righteousness they have been partnering with him as friends because that's what righteousness is they they have the the fine linen the white garment of the saints that it, which to me is very similar to the sha'al and they're saints. They're functioning in what saints should be. This same description forms the armies of the Lord that will follow him in battle. But it's after the marriage supper. And then when the victory is fully won, you, you see even the angel. That was a... Why is it only one of the seven angels say something to him probably because it was the seventh i think it's the seventh angel that came and he was most likely ordained as a one that moved in the spirit of truth uh who is that in in now again we're in speculation now here, okay, so don't write this down. You said this. It's speculation. I'm not there. I'm not looking at name tags. But there are seven of them, which means that these seven represent the Spirit of God, the seven spirits. Which one is talking to John at the end? It says it's one of the seven. I think because it it is saying, look what has happened. Let me show you what is coming now look over there this is this is what the bride of christ has been preparing this is what the bride of christ has been partnering with jesus is in 
This is the identity of the bride of Christ. So I think it's the one that represents the spirit of truth. Now, what is Gabriel? Well, I think he moves in the spirit of truth at the right hand. Um, where the sons are, you're giving glory to the Lord, you're giving glory to the Father, you're looking forward into the new. Where does the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding come? Where, where does that come? Well, that's, that's direction, that's uh, measures, of, um, measures of instruction, that's measures of really teaching, and you, you gain that when you are submitted in grace to what God is wanting to do. You know, we talked about leprosy in the church and, uh, you know, the red and the green, which is, um, that were the streaks upon the house that indicated leprosy. And the, the thing that, you know, happens there is wormwood turns judgment into wormwood. The scriptures say this. And what's missing in both of those is the commitment of grace to what God wants to do next in humility and submitting yourself to wisdom and revelation. So, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, those angels are really instructors. They, they really come alongside at the directive of God to bring insights, to bring direction, while wanting you to learn for yourself. I don't know if you've ever taught a little kid before or tried to. Sometimes it's like trying to herd cats. But if you just do things for them, they don't learn anything. Well, they learn how to cry and get you to do things for them. But if you can somehow cause them to work with you in getting what they want, then they learn. You know, when I, I, I often talk about my upbringing, my father was kind of a jack-of-all-trades and definitely a master of none, but he was a good man. So usually when he did things, it would work, but it wasn't usually the exact way it should be done. It, it was just a joke, that, which none of us would say to him. But, it, you know, but we, we didn't suffer. But so many times my mom would say to him, Edward... Why don't you take Ronnie out there and show him how to do this? And the common refrain was, it'd take me twice as long and i got to get this done. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to find other ways to learn. Uh, and in a way, I'm kind of glad I didn't learn it Dad's way because I would have probably said, hey, Dad, I think we should do it this way. And then we did. I would have been questioning authority and that wouldn't have worked. But, you know, the spirit of wisdom will give you guidance and give you understanding, but the way you're going to do it is through doing. The way you're going to gain it is through doing. So I think that this culminative angel, this seventh, one of the seven, was showing John, look, look what the Lord has done and see what's happening now, what, what's coming what what is 
coming. And from this great and high mountain, I think that's significant too. Some would ask, do you think this is the same mountain Satan took Jesus to? No, I don't. Different terminologies. Because I think the enemy has something that is higher, or he, he was posted to, he absconded with a mountain that was higher than the other mountains of the earth. And that's how he could say, look at the kingdoms of the earth and the glory in them. Look, look at this. I'll give them all to you if you proscuneo before me. This mountain is over all creation. To see the, the panoply of what God is doing in the heavens, what God, because the new heaven, the heavens were changing too. It's going from battle format to creative format. And look at all of this. You can see the the panorama of what the, the, the you know, you're seated far above all principalities and powers. And that would include where the enemy is. So really, when Jesus rejected that offer from the enemy, which needed to be, and he did, um, it was really not, first of all, he would not disobey the scripture and he would never have laid before the enemy. But it was really a, a secondary offer. Jesus was going for the eternal offer. And it is far above what the enemy was offering. And this exceeding high mountain, this mountain that's this high place, this highest of high places. This angel is showing, okay, this is where you're going to be operating with your Lord. And look, this is what the bride of Christ did. Look at it descending in the tabernacle of God. The earth, this earth is going to be what God wanted it to be. But there's so much more. Look. Look around and see it. So we make ourselves ready. How do you make yourself ready? Look at those scriptures. And again, you may want to just go through them. It would be nice for you in your Bible study. Just get a little, however you jot things down. I wrote things down on paper. I'm old school. And I'll list, okay. How do I make myself ready? prepare the way of the Lord. I've got to be a friend of God. How do I make myself ready? I've got to make sure my garments are clean and pure and white, not sprinkled by the world, no wrinkles, no deception. How do I make myself ready? You know, even there's derivatives of um, like Simeon. He was prophesying over the baby Jesus and he, he said that God he uses the word eclectos, which we talked about on Sunday. And he uses the derivative of, of this word. That Jesus is empowering this making ready that will touch all of creation. I think that is phenomenal. So, jot down some things and say, am I making myself ready? because the bride has to make herself ready and this is how this is this is how 
Well, that was a long message. I said a lot of things to you. Some of them I probably shouldn't have said, but that's just the way it is when you sit at the table. Um, I, I pray that God will bless you and that you are growing in him. Don't forget to be studying and, and, and praying and Let's be faithful to what God's called us to, to, to be faithful to. And I say this and I end. There are strategies that the enemy's trying to use now. He will always offer other pathways. Some of them are really great. They're detours. But what are you called to be? Are you a saint? Are you a bride? Or are you... Are you in the family, but you're you're doing something else? God has lots of people. Remember in the church, there are those who love the Lord and the saints. There are pneumaticos people, and there are people who ought to be pneumaticos, but they're not. God's kingdom is going to be filled with a lot of different things. What are you called to do? And it goes back again to the question... Are only the saints the bride of Christ? I'll say this. Are, is the church only the saints? Well, we would say no. But there are a lot of things that we're called to do that we know good and well other people that love the Lord are not doing. I, I know this too. There is an honor to serving God as saints. And I think that one way or another at that marriage feast, there's, there's going to be an acknowledgement visually, spiritually, and probably even vocally that that honors in some way the privilege of walking with the Lord that you have embraced, which is above and beyond what you used to do. And I also know that this army that's going to be following the Lord, which is just, we looked at it, they're dressed in the same way as the saints are. And um, I don't think God's going to go to war against the beast and the kings of the earth with a bunch of people who don't know Genesis from Revelation. God loves them, but what would you do? If, if, you, if you were going to go to war, who would you want? Forget about equity and diversity. I mean, that flies out the window with the first bullets. You would want somebody, we've heard somebody say, man, if I ever go to war, I want you beside me. You don't want somebody that's messing around who's a weekend warrior. You want somebody that you can trust with your life who's, who's sharing the same ardor for, for victory and in preparation. You want to be prepared. And Will Rogers said, 
that America is the only company, country that waits till they're in the war to get prepared for it. That's what the church is. I know. So I know that God has a way of honoring people and loving everybody. Remember what Dr. Criswell told me. He said, when I stand back there and shake the hands of my people, I have to make them feel like they've known me forever. Even though he didn't know most of their names. But the Lord knows. And he, um, he loves everybody. But the ones that are going to be riding are going to be saints. They're not the only part of the bride of Christ. But just as you're in the church right now and you're doing things that your nephew or somebody else is not doing, but you know they love the Lord, how does God justify that? How does he love all of us? What is that to thee, he said to Peter in regard to John? So I can't explain where everybody's going to be seated. But I know at every wedding I've gone to, there are special tables for special people. How about you? And no matter who you are, you've been invited wherever you're sitting, but right up there close are the ones that are most important. You know it's true, but God loves them all. So let's just make ourselves ready, okay? Let's do the things that we're called to do. And let's study to show ourselves approved. Double issuance. Make yourself ready. Go through those words. Let the Spirit speak to us and really candidly say, am I doing this, Father? Or did I do it for a while and I'm not really doing it anymore? Or did I grow weary my Lord delays his coming. Or did I think, well, you know, what good does it do to do this because you're not really seeing any benefit. It's a lot of work. Doesn't seem like it's doing anything. Well, I've never thought that. <laughs> I have. And I'll just say this. I don't know who thought that, but if you've never thought that, you probably haven't been doing anything. <laughs> you may be in the camp that thinks God owes you big favors. But it's a privilege to serve the Lord. We're making ourselves ready, especially in these days. The end of all things is near. And so do that study and let's let's be ready. Let's be ready. God bless you all. Thanks again. It's really a blessing. I'm grateful that God gives us this table of discussion and that you are mighty men and women who are skilled in the handling of the word of God, not deceitfully, but sincerely. May the spirit of the Lord speak to you through his word as he shows you how to utilize this precious gift from God in new and vital ways. Till next time, God bless. Oh, hey, one announcement for our church. Some of you have already turned it off. In two weeks, we have our annual financial meeting here at the church. I've got to politically announce that. 
and it will be announced on two Sundays. So for those of you who are purists, I'm fulfilling it. And we'll probably have a prayer meeting on that night, the last um, Wednesday of this month. I depart for Brazil for a few days the very next day. So it's a very important time. So just note, all of you Father's Church people, that will be uh, the annual financial meeting, considering the blessing of the Lord from 2023. Okay, that's it. That's all she wrote. God bless you all, and goodbye.